Fritz, welcome to the Leadership Dynamics Podcast. We're excited to bring you the tools and resources used by dynamic, high-performing leaders to communicate effectively, grow their influence, and take their companies to the next level. Let's dive in. All right, welcome to another episode of Leadership Dynamics. Last week, we talked about leader mindset. Mm -hmm. So this week, what we're going to do is we're just going to kind of continue on that and just segue more into it. So Kim's yeah. got a burning desire to talk about something. Here, so. <laughs> I really don't. But, but I mean, I really, that's funny, funny, not she funny. She doesn't. I mean, I know. Um, so <laughs> what you started to talk about on the last episode was coaching mm -hmm. and the this idea of what the the consumer thinks coaching is and what it really is. Well, and, and you just met with a psychotherapist locally here. Yeah. Yeah. And she was actually talking about how important coaching field is. It is because of her position as a doctor. You know, she not everybody needs a therapist. Not everybody needs a counselor. Not everybody needs a psychotherapist. Not everybody needs a psychologist. Not everybody needs that level. They just need somebody that can support them and challenge them and have a real conversation with them, get in the trenches with them. You know. Well, you could you could actually say it the same way. When you go to the gym and work out on a regular basis, oh, yeah. not everybody needs an Olympic coach. <laughs> that but, was a funny visual. Thank you. But, no, they don't you still need a coach of some sort yes. to hold you accountable mm -hmm. and guide you yeah. and, and help you navigate your yeah. goals. So you know how you, you, so Fritz likes to bring up football analogies, right? And we, we've talked about this before, but I'll say it again. Semi-pro football player, then he coached. Um, Actually, I coached and played at the same time. Okay, wow. <laughs> that, see? And so for me, when he's talking about the gym, I've been a fitness instructor for 20 years. And later in my career, I decided to become a Live Strong instructor. So I was coaching cancer survivors. And so, you know, everybody knows who Jillian Michaels is, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So people would fondly say, you're like Jillian Michaels, because I did not want to hear your excuses for why you couldn't lift up five more pounds when you were complaining about your weight, right? I still had a lot to learn, even as an instructor, as a coach. It wasn't until I started coaching as a Live Strong coach that I had a whole new... Um, a whole new respect and, and and true empathy for what real warriors look like because these people were literally fought something invisible and walked away with scars and they continued to show up for two hours a week to have me walk them through how to get stronger on a machine and how to eat right and how to you know so I had to walk this line of, I'm gonna push them today, I'm gonna to show them that they're stronger than they think they are, and I also need to know when to stop and to just give them some grace and be there for them, just be there. And so, Fritz talked last episode about if, a, if, a, if an athlete was to just walk away from sports that have never had any outside experience of life, how quickly they would fail. 
without the right things put in place mm -hmm. and how there are coaches in the industry that are all very different. Some are very good and some are mediocre and some are very bad and they play on your emotions. Well, and there's some that are just plain old, um, they're hurting people. Yes. You know, it's, it's not an industry, it's not a career to take lightly. No, this, it is not. We are, we are playing with human emotion yeah. in people's lives. And I always approached youth coaching the same way. You don't realize as a coach of sports, mm -hmm. youth sports in particular, when you stand up and you have them circle around and you're standing there ready to teach and coach and mm -hmm. talk, mm -hmm. you have all of these young eyes looking on you, Yeah. depending on your guidance, like you feel it. Like when they're looking at you, you feel it. It's like, where do I go coach? What do I do? How hard do I play? Mm -hmm. How long do I, I mean, they're looking at you for this guidance. Because they've never done it before. So now think about your leadership role maybe at your job or in your family. Those people are looking at you the same way. And yes. if you don't see it, then please just slow down, take a breath, maybe take five, mm -hmm. and really look at how the team is looking upon you. Yeah. It's a, it's a position Anytime you're sitting in a leadership position, in the traditional sense, there is so much responsibility that comes with that outside of what you think it is with just a job. Mm. You have yeah. people's entire lives and mental well-being in your hands. And yes, it is your responsibility. I feel and I always felt that way as a as a youth coach because let's face it some of these some of the people I was coming kids I was coaching they didn't have father figures right I was it yes and yeah. I didn't take that lightly I took full responsibility of that and I tried to live up to it to the best I could mm -hmm. and it just it it's the same way at mm. the job and that and unfortunately there's a lot of bullies in positions of leadership within jobs and there's stats out there we just read an article in the CEO magazine about that mm -hmm. yeah right and they were talking about how what I, I wish I re I'm not gonna quote because I don't remember the percentage but it was fairly it was, high it was very high it was over 50 percent yes of mm -hmm. leaders that are found to be bullies. Yep. And you're probably seeing that a lot more now because people are feeling like they're not in control. And I'm not saying they're intentional. I don't no. I don't I firmly believe that they're not intentionally being oh, that. No. They just yeah. lack certain skills, empathy, compassion. There's certain things, but I promise you if you you go in and you start coaching them, what's going to happen is you're going to you're going to uncover good coaches will uncover the the core mm -hmm. of the model of the world and the limiting beliefs and the belief system as to why they're right. acting the way and I promise you it will go all the way back to somewhere that yeah. 13 and younger you know 
you were talking about youth. I'm going to directly go off of the youth football and go right into military because... Yeah, because the... It, it's, it's so similar. It, it's so parallel to each other because so many people grow up without, mm-hmm. without, well, just leave it there, fill in the blank for yourself, that you're looking to fill a space. And when it's in an organization that is powerful, when people look at the military, it doesn't matter what branch you go into, you go in for guidance, leadership, for education, for a steady paycheck, you go in because it's a career, it's a retirement, it's all of these things. And over the years, since World War II, they've really taken the love language out of leadership until probably the last 20 years. They're starting very slowly to put that piece back in there because they know that power of position only goes so far. If I really want somebody to run into the fight with me, you know, I have to have a positive influence on them. Right. And influence does not mean manipulation. No, but it... But it, it has turned into that, thank you, social media, because... Yes. They're learning how to manipulate you. Really good marketers do that. Really great marketers do that. And, well, really great marketers that have poor intentions. There are really great marketers that have great intentions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I don't want to throw yep. everybody in the basket. Yeah. But... I mean, we see it because we discuss it and we talk about it, so. Yeah, and what I'm seeing more now in the military is this, and thank you for my son, because I'm, you know, 20 plus years, went in the, you know, at 19, and then got out for 18 and went back in again and was able, able to actually bring these tools and the things that we coach into that space while on deployment to be able to talk to young leaders about communication mm-hmm. just being able to have conversation because they're looking up to their leaders and their leaders have never been taught how to communicate properly well and it wasn't just a couple leaders you were in front of you were in front of how many over the course of 13 months thousands like really thousands because not only was I in in front of the leaders leaders the ones that were actually in charge of multiple soldiers but I was in charge of each individual soldier which we all know are leaders in and their what own was right the, what was the common denominator you were coming across uh, frustration um, expectations that were not met and weren't and communicated we talked about expectations last episode yep it was about just misalignment between what people were actually doing and what the command wanted. So the dissolution of the communication that was going on because everybody, you know, it's like starting a rumor. It's very different from where it started to where it ended up. It's the same thing when you're talking about a chain of command in the military. So when I the just, colonel gives, a, gives an order, yep. it loses a lot by misinterpretation and what people's own personal expectations are of somebody else. And it changes by the time it gets down to that lowest soldier. Wasn't there a game that you played was with telephone or something? Yes. And then yes. by the time it got to the 20th person, it wasn't it's, anywhere close right. to what was That's said. That's a great exercise, by the way, one. leaders listening. It's a great exercise for a group like 20 or more, probably not more than 50, to start on one end 
whisper in the ear and see how messed up it gets by the end. It's a great experiment so that you can actually see how our brains and the way that we interpret life can change the outcome and what, how we speak about things. And so, yeah, getting back to Sorry, the military, to... that's okay. And where they're going now is they're much more, because of my son being in the military now at, at 19, he's going through a new course starting today because he was just promoted. Well, they didn't used to have courses until you were a non-commissioned officer, until you were a quote-unquote leader. Mm -hmm. They're changing that. So today he starts a course about leadership and how to do it right as a young Marine. And it's awesome. I, I said to my husband, I would, I would have stayed in if I would have known, if that would have existed 20 years ago. I would have stayed because I would have felt heard, I would have felt understood, I would have felt like I could communicate and not, you know, just be told what to do and not allowed to ask questions because we should be allowed to ask questions. So the same reason that you didn't stay in the military is the same reason people don't stay at jobs. Mm-hmm. The same reason. It's the exact same reason because they and don't then, feel heard. And then for the people that make it a career, yes, or at least spend their contractual time in it, now we have that struggle of transition. Well, how many people in the corporate world and in the sports world have that very same struggle and transition when they leave what they've been doing for 20 years? You know, there are a lot of people that are right at the end of their careers, whether it's 20 years or 40 years in the same position, where they go through this honeymoon phase mm -hmm. of I'm, I'm so close and they get excited and then about two years out, they get really angry and they go the other direction. Do you know why they do that? Please inform us. <laughs> well, a lot of it is fear. A lot of it is I've done this thing and my identity is in this thing that I've been mm -hmm. doing. And then all the self-doubt and self-talk and the things that they thought they missed and they should have done. And now they're realizing their own immortality, that they're reaching the end of their working life. There's so many emotions that are wrapped up in the last two years of preparation. Now they're thinking about, oh, I gotta pay off my mortgage, I gotta pay off my car because I don't wanna retire and have debt. And you know, all of a sudden it's the same pressure in the end than it was in the beginning. And we have forgotten this in-between piece that was so magical that you loved and you gave your whole life to. And now you've become this monster with your last two years because you, you, you're now conflicted about should I or shouldn't I? What did I miss out on? And then you have your relationships on top of that. So it's not, but it's not just the fact that you yourself had an identity in something that you've been doing. Mm -hmm. It's how the world also looked at yes. you. So the world is looking at you as this thing, mm -hmm. right? You're, you're, so I'm just going to use my name and me as an example. So if Fritz for 25 years held a high leadership position, right, C-suite, mm -hmm. and that's how he's known in the community and his, the groups and everything else. Right. It wasn't, it's not just that I held that position and that's who I was for however many years, 20 mm -hmm. plus years. Right. 
but it's how the world was seeing me. The world saw me as a success. The world saw me as a leader. The world saw me with homes. The world saw me with vehicles. The world saw me with all of this stuff, mm-hmm. but the world didn't see Fritz. Right. Fritz didn't exist. Fritz was gone. And the crazy thing is, is that when you get out of that, then you, then you start understanding, and this is where that anger comes in. Mm-hmm. You start understanding and you're like, I, I don't even know who Fritz is anymore because Fritz has been gone for so long. Right. And it's crazy. And, and it happens in sports. It happens in corporate. It happens in the military. Mm-hmm. It happens in law enforcement. It happens, it happens everywhere. Everywhere. It happens everywhere. So, Teachers. like. So how important is it as a leader mm-hmm. to liberate people so that you're seen as Fritz is a liberator? Because then in the afterlife, the next life, the next chapter... Nothing changes. I'm right. still the same guy. Right. Yeah. I'm still looked at the same way. I just mm-hmm. liberate people. That's beautiful because if you really think about um, some of the most magnetic personalities in the world, mm-hmm. that's who they are. That's the essence of who they are. Yeah. They, the you, world has not put them in a box. You should be the. <laughs> you should be the same. Yes. No matter where you are. Yeah. Yeah, that's a Unf- great reminder. Unfortunately, what we see is not what is being experienced at home. But you are very much in charge of that, too. Yes. Because don't play the victim. This isn't permission to play the victim role. No. You are in charge of that as well. Yes. And we, we do talk to a lot of people that, well, I'm one person at home and then I'm another person at work. Well, it's for us to help bridge that gap because you're really not. And it's very hard to be two different people because you're underserving yourself. And in that, you start taking it out on your relationships, and it's usually your closest relationships. And this, this exact thing that we've been talking about for the last 17 minutes, 18 now, this is exactly where a coach fits in. Yes. So if you're struggling to understand where coaches fit, that's where they fit. So that's great. Love you guys and really look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Bye. Thanks for listening. We hope this episode provided you with valuable insights and actionable steps as you grow in your leadership journey. For more information on this topic or other leadership tools and resources, visit our website at rewireddynamics.com. 